the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome to the Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest-running tech podcast. This is episode 335 for the week commencing Monday the 8th of June 2015. I'm Edwin Herman here in Wellington and across the other side of the city. I am joined by my co-host over a Skype connection, Brett King. Howdy, hi. Brett, you're sounding loud and clear. You're sounding different. What's indeed? What, what's new? New microphone, new setup. Tell us what you've purchased. Um, a new microphone. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean the de- <laughs> What have you got? Oh, I decided to get some kit for for doing better audio. So purchased a a dynamic microphone, which got good reviews. I searched for several days to find a good one and a uh, boom arm and pop filter so I can pee all I want. <laughs> hey, that's, you're sounding really good. I mean, it's still over a Skype connection, so the audio at this end obviously has been Skypeified. Indeed. But, but even so, Brett, and this is the thing, I think this is representative of the difference in quality. Even so, I can definitely tell there's uh, a change. Well, hopefully there's a difference between a much larger dynamic microphone and the tiny little microphone on the end of the boom of my old Logitech headset. <laughs> yeah, and the Logitech headset would have cost a lot less than the uh, the mic as well. No, way less. All right, then let's uh, kick off and talk, uh, talk about the Skype bug, which you I noticed cheekily tried to send me um, an eight-character string <laughs> that had I not been on Skype for Mac, would have crashed my Skype. Well, if you hadn't updated your Skype recently. Yeah, and in fact, also, the the other thing, well, actually, I'm going to jump ahead, so let's go right back to the start. Uh, a bug has been discovered in Skype, and as you said, it has been updated, but the, there was a bug for a while that existed where if you send the following characters, HTTP colon slash slash colon, Skype for Windows, Skype for Android, and Skype for iOS would crash. And in fact, yeah. some of them would just uh, be in an endless crash loop when you relaunch it and it would you never get past it. So it was a nasty bug. Indeed. But they fixed it within 24 hours. Yeah, that was a very was fast. It, because it was such a nasty bug. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it had the potential to get you into those, you know, infinite crash loop. If unfortunately you were on the receiving end of the characters. So then it went into your chat log and continued to to be there all the time. So Microsoft have done two things. The first thing they did is they started detecting the message across their network and blocking it. So yep. although I saw your message come in, Brett, you just sent that to me very cheekily. <laughs> but I am on <laughs> Skype for Mac, so we're fine. I could see what you had typed, HTTP colon slash slash colon. But uh, within a few seconds, it, uh, it says this message has been removed. Uh, so, so Microsoft have been filtering it out from their network. The <laughs> second thing they've done is what you just announced earlier, Brett. They have updated Skype. So you just need to update. Those of you on older versions just need to update to the latest 
and you'll be fine. Indeed. Now, let's hope that Microsoft did a proper update and actually fixed the URL interpreter as opposed to uh, doing the same thing as what they're doing on the network, i.e. detecting the message <laughs> and hiding it. it. Yeah, putting it un- <laughs> un- under, sweeping it under the rug, you know? Well, I'd say they must have actually fixed it because I am on Windows and I've got it in my chat log here and my Skype is obviously still working. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I can. And I can see it. <laughs> yeah, true. So I guess they have uh, fixed it properly. Properly fixed it. Well, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a nasty bug. Uh, as you said, you know, you could effectively render some people's uh, versions of Skype uh, useless, really. Yeah, yeah. Freeze and it was so completely. easy to do. The other thing, it was so easy to do, right? They, yeah. Well, you didn't have to be a hacker or anything. You just send someone those characters and uh, bing, it's gone. Yep. I wonder how long that bug's been around. Do, do you know? I haven't, I was no trying to find idea. out. But, no yeah. idea whatsoever. I have not seen anything which says that, you know, or how long it might have been around. I wonder if it's been around from one of the early versions. Who knows? <laughs> Entirely possible and just nobody noticed it before. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to find that out, though. I might do that after the show, do a bit of research. Yeah. Now, moving on, uh, Tim Cook has come out in a speech and has criticised, this is something that's been at the heart of, I think, both uh, both leaders of Apple, uh, Steve Jobs and Tim Cook, and that is the he's come out criticising a lot of Silicon Valley companies for collecting your data and then indeed doing, doing things with it yeah selling it or whatnot tim cook has come out and said in a speech apple do not want your data and as i say he's gone on a little bit further to criticize others in fact i'll just give you a very short segment of that speech he says i'm speaking to you from silicon valley where some of the most prominent and successful companies have built their businesses by lulling their customers into complacency about their personal information. They're gobbling up everything they can learn about you and trying to monetize it. We think that's wrong. And it's not the kind of company that Apple wants to be. So we don't want your data. So I think that's a dig at who, do you think, Brett? Oh, well, obviously it's a dig at the two largest companies in Silicon Valley that are all about taking your data and using it for their own gains, Facebook and Google. Do you think Tim Cook is being genuine here or is this nothing more than a smart marketing ploy? It's it's hard to say. It is very hard to say. Uh, but Apple hasn't done anything, you know, well, hasn't. It hasn't looked like Apple has done anything seriously to monetize the, the the data that they have collected, that they do collect about people, about people's usage of things that I've that I've seen reported. It's entirely possible that happens in the background, um, but it's nothing that's out there and been talked about. It is definitely Facebook and Google that are always in the news about how a person's family pictures have suddenly turned up on somebody else's page advertising something and how the information that is in your email google uses to target adverts at you all of these sorts of things uh, have shown up but yeah i have not seen anything equivalent from apple's usage of your data i suppose you could say though on one hand as so long as 
users understand how it's being used and they agree to it, then it's fine. Yeah, but it's it's really does go to what he mentioned in that excerpt that you just mentioned right then about those companies have built their business on lulling their customers into complacency about their personal information. Oh, so that's the key. That is the key. Okay, people have become complacent about the use of their personal information. And whenever anybody comes up in arms about, you know, that how using that personal information or using those photos and things that you've put on and put onto that service to share with your friends and your social communities and those things and using those things to target ads at other people, uh, even within your own community is wrong. And everybody's thing about that is, you know, well, well, you don't need to use that service or, well, you don't need to do that. So you've signed up to it. So obviously you've agreed to it. It doesn't make it right. It's still wrong to use your data like that. It's not the first time I've heard the CEO of Apple mention that. This this was a particularly targeted speech, but I've heard it dropped in, uh, I think, it, for example, one of the keynotes for some of the new technologies that they were showing off at the time. And mm-hmm. they sort of throw in a comment about, you know, and we are not collecting your data. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, you know, it, it's it's something that's at the heart of Apple. Um, it'd be nice if others, other companies uh, kind of followed suit and, you know, yeah, and, protected and, and people's it, data, did not yeah, use and also it for their own monetization. Well. Yeah. For their yeah, own publicize profiting. the fact that they don't use it. Mm. Yeah. But then, you know, you've got companies like Facebook, which have no other way of making a profit. They <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Explicitly for the service, they can't remain a free service without monetizing something. Unfortunately, what they've chosen to monetize is the information that you put onto your Facebook profile, and any pictures you put on your Facebook profile, and basically everything about you. That is on your Facebook profile or anybody else's Facebook profile, which yeah, is like unfortunate. Yeah, you, you make a good point. I because mean, Facebook, how else is it going to... Wrong. <laughs> because they do all of this stuff and they do it without explicitly asking for your permission. And then they just point to their EULA and go, well, you signed up to it. It's in there. And as we know from talks we've done about EULA's in the past, in the long, long, long ago, nobody reads those damn things. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the reality of it, isn't it? Indeed. You know, there's a lot of people who have no idea what's in there. Yeah. Because no one, they don't bother reading it. It's Indeed. Just, they don't bother reading it. Pages of dross. Or they're, you know, they don't bother reading it because nobody ever reads it. And it's just the thing that you click to get rid of. And they don't realize that there's anything in there which could in any way be binding to them. And in a lot of cases, I believe in our big discussions about EULAs in the long, long ago, there was a lot of discussion about whether or not an EULA was actually legally binding at all anyway. (laughs) So, hmm. But either way, yeah. (laughs) There are certain companies out there who are all about using your personal information for their own monetary gain uh, for no benefit to you. And they lull you into a false sense of security about it until uh, it comes and bites you in the butt. But... Mm. mm. Anyway, there you go. But that wasn't the only uh, thing he talked about. uh, Go on then. 
No, during his um, speech where he was being honoured by the what, Electronic Privacy Information Centre, getting an award or something, he also talked about encryption and government agencies and law enforcement agencies seeking to weaken encryption or put in backdoor access for the, in finger quotes, good guys. Uh, and Cook came out and said what every sane person on the planet <laughs> With any common sense, would say in the same situation, it's the same as putting a key under the mat just for the cops. A burglar is going to find it too. The bad guys <laughs> exactly. will put all of their resources, and we know the bad guys out there have a lot of resources and put a lot of time and effort into technology and ways around you know, circumventing technology, encryption and all of that for their own nefarious purposes. If you put in a back door, to any sort of encryption, to any of those sorts of systems that is supposed to be only for the good guys, in finger quotes, the criminals will find it very quickly. Oh, totally. Because one thing (laughs) that you have to realise is the good guys, in finger quotes, aren't always good guys. Yeah. So that is one way for the criminals out there to find it. The other way is they will leverage their time, their money, their technology, to find that back door. And as soon as they've got the back door, that's it. It's gone. Because like any of these back doors, they're not going to leave, you know, they're not going to show a trace. So once the criminals have it, or once the back door is there and the criminals get it, nobody's going to know until somebody else discovers that a criminal is using a back door. And then it's just going to blow up in whoever's face created that piece of encryption. And whoever so allowed point, the good guys, in finger quotes, to have a backdoor into it, it destroys the purpose of it. So on that second point, I think the likes of Microsoft and Google are singing the same song about that. Yes. I think Google had, uh, a, w- a while ago, had said that they're going to start increasing the encryption between its data, sens- data centers, or was that Microsoft? I forget. But, you know, when all this stuff came out about government snooping, those companies said the same. So I think all, you know, I think everyone's singing that same song, which is good, I guess. Yeah, it is very good. They're at least seeing that this is a terrible idea because it, yeah, criminals will get it and criminals will get it quickly. And I think also you have to remember that there's there's nothing good for Apple or, or any other company for that matter, but there's nothing good for Apple if the government is snooping people's data and people know know about it. Indeed. In fact it's it's worse, you know what I mean? Like yep. it's in I guess what I'm trying to say in, in a roundabout way is it's in Apple's interest and Google's interest and Microsoft's interest to as much as legally possible prevent anyone, when I say anyone, I mean government included, from being able to get users' data. Indeed. Indeed, because as soon as you become a company that is known to have created a backdoor for, you know, government agencies, for these supposed, finger quotes, good guys, people are going to leave you. People are going to leave you because they will realise that their data is not safe. Because even yeah. if, you know, you've got the, the people going out there or if you've got nothing to hide from the government, you shouldn't worry about it. The problem being, it's not that you've got anything to hide from the government. It's that the criminals can now see everything. 
and that's a very very important point. I think it's often missed too because yeah. it gets it gets lost in the it if gets lost in the rhetoric that all of these you know government and law enforcements come out with their you know their burning torches and their pitchforks. Uh, and <laughs> yell down anybody who says anything about it. But the the whole point of this thing is these things are here to protect you from people with malicious intent. And if you put in a way for a, a you know a uh, a legal entity to get in, you've put in a way that a criminal entity is going to get in as well. Exactly. The technology doesn't differentiate Indeed, government. The from technology others. doesn't differentiate. And yeah, so we need that protection. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's kind of what's come out from Apple headquarters, um, and it's nice to hear. Yeah, indeed, it is. It is very uh, nice to hear. Now, something and that's else me saying not- that about something that's come from Apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a first. No, not really. Uh, now, what else is nice to hear is I, I really like the story. In China, the National Higher Education Entrance Exam is held each year, and this is effectively what gets you into university if you, you know, Indeed, to determine whether you make the grade. if you do not make the cut in this entrance exam, then for that year, you do not get to go to a university. No university so, will take you if you have not passed this exam. So this is really important. It is very important. So what's being done here is that with the increasing number of people trying to cheat and more importantly the more sophisticated methods that people indeed some use pretty sophisticated methods of cheating we're talking about here people who are using you know miniature cameras to take pictures of the exam beam them to someone outside of the exam area uh, so that they can you know do the appropriate searches and feedback answers <laughs> yeah yeah, they, they're going to, uh, you know, it, these are getting more and more sophisticated. But what's common in some of these high-tech uh, cheating me- uh, methods is that it's being transmitted wirelessly, i.e. there's a transmitter somewhere. Yep. And that's how you get your data outside the room, obviously, because you're not going to have a long cable. That's a little bit too obvious. Oh, indeed. That'd be so- <laughs> incredibly obvious. I don't think that, I don't, you, you, how would you explain that away? <laughs> Sorry, don't worry about the Cat 5 that's just, or Cat 6 that's trailing behind me. Yeah, just yeah, don't worry it's, about it's it. Medical, it's, nothing, really. it's, it's medical monitoring. It's, it's going to a doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I feel a two-year-old coming on. Anyway, so what are they doing to combat this? Well, drones. What they're doing is they're, uh, they're putting up drones about five 500 meters or so above the test site and they have the ability to detect the radio signals that come you know out of these uh, Indeed, areas yeah, and if there is such a sig- different radio frequencies wi-fi frequencies yep and if there is such a uh, a signal detected it then alerts the appropriate authorities and they can do uh, they can then narrow in on the person well, precisely. If you've got multiple drones in the air, you can use triangulation to pinpoint where the, you know, pinpoint where both ends of that um, connection are, who within the exam place is cheating and who outside of the exam place is helping them cheat. Yeah, well, to get to hone in on them, they also use a, a tablet device to, to then pinpoint the specific person. And also, here's the thing, when they are caught... The penalties are big. If you're caught cheating, you are banned from taking any national exam for three years. Mm. So your best chance of getting into university is 
after three years' time. Indeed. Yeah, after and three years, you can go back and try your luck at the exam again. That's a huge penalty. It really yeah, it is. is. And the other thing is, if you're caught, well, if they've discovered that you've cheated retrospectively, so they find that, you know, after the fact, then your professional qualifications are revoked. Yep. So they kick you out strict. of university if you're still in that, or if you've finished university, you lose your degree. So what I wanted to focus on is, isn't this a cool way of using drone technology? Yeah. And autonomous units. Indeed. It's brilliant. It is. I like it. Also still reminiscent of the um the, the scary big brother from 1984. Yeah, watching it everybody. Is, it, it does uh, have that. Making sure sort you're, of... <laughs> you're, you're towing the line. Um, but in this particular situation, there is actually a legitimate reason for <laughs> the big brother and looking over your shoulder to make sure mm. you're towing the line. <laughs> Maybe we should get hold of Victoria University here in Wellington and see whether they'll take that up. Yeah, we'd just build something <laughs> into the room. We wouldn't bother using drones. Jeez. <laughs> also, the drones wouldn't last in our wind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wellington, yeah. Drones? Wellington? I don't think surely so. you could just build some stuff into the actual building itself. Unless so. they're equipping yeah. these drones with like tranquilizer guns as well so that they can not only find you, but they can trank you at the same time. Well, well these are up in the sky above the unit, above the building. Oh, yeah, so. but it goes off and it finds the your accomplice and it tranks them. So suddenly your, the accomplice can oh, no doing longer it that feed way. you the appropriate information. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. That would be, oh, yeah, that's taking it to the next level. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, then we'll we see. start to get drones like we see in the in those um, you know dystopian future movies. <laughs> You've got the drone going around looking for crime, and it's got its gun ready to shoot you. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. It really is. Indeed. All right, then we'll move on to our last <laughs> story. It's before still, it's, it's still an interesting, <laughs> noteworthy use of drones that isn't uh, you know bringing somebody a pizza or a, a six pack yes, of beer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or your latest he, order from Amazon. Well, exactly. Those are the, pretty much the three scenarios that seem to cover 99% of the Indeed. articles. We've of not drone seen use. any really good stories about, you know, uh, search and rescue or you know, no. any of those sorts of usage for, zone, for drones, because those would be great uses for drones. All we get are uh, delivery drones and the military drones that keep killing people. Yeah, <laughs> those yeah, are the right. stories yeah, about drones to- we see. We exactly. don't see, we, 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 there hasn't been a good story about a drone that's been developed for search and rescue rescuing someone yet. Well, here you go. This this uh, university cheat one is one of these uh, different good stories. Indeed. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to the last story. How about a mirror, uh, a, a technological mirror, if you like, <laughs> that shows your reflection by... <laughs> This is kind of weird, but it's kind of, let me describe it in a different way. Imagine a mirror with a whole heap of tiny little pom-poms, maybe two or three centimetres dia- diameter, and there are black and white pom-poms, and these effectively represent pixels, just very, very large pixels. Very, very large, low, very fuzzy pixels. Correct. Very low res. <laughs> and there's a camera mounted on this thing, and the image of you in front of the camera is fed into some electronics, which controls these pom-poms. And these pom-poms can move back and forth by bringing a black one forward and a white one back or vice versa. It can change the image, effectively giving a black and white pattern visible yeah. to you. And and it, it 
kind of represents what it sees in the camera uh, as a silhouette of black pom-poms in the white pom-poms. And it's real time. So as you move, these pom-poms, you know... Go backwards and forwards to show you the silhouette that you're creating. Correct, to change black or white. It's very hard to describe on an audio podcast. It is incredibly hard to describe (laughs) on an audio podcast, but it is very cool. And it is the work of an artist. So it is an art project. And you know what? I'm... I'll be honest with you, I'm not really into art at all. Art is just something I, I don't have an appreciation for. But this... <laughs> art is amazing, Ed. Well, it's, you know, each of their own. But this <laughs> is something, I think this is something I, I could I could enjoy. Yeah. I, I, yeah I don't you know make silly whether... shapes in front of the camera and see the, yeah. the, the, the resulting pom-pom silhouettes. I just like the the sort of robotics. It's combining, I, I guess, it's art. It's combining electronics with robotics, and yep. uh, you know, obviously, some logic there uh, to you know to figure out what to do. I, I kind of like it, mm-hmm. and it uses a Connect, uh, a Microsoft Connect. Yeah, yeah, it uses a Connect camera to to capture it. But it's not the only. It's not the only one. This um, particular artist, uh, Rosen, I believe, was the name, a New York artist. It's not the only one that they've got in their their um. Uh, current display they've got another one which is uh, a floor that is covered in little robot penguins and as you move past the penguins the penguins that are directly in front of you or seeing you will turn to face you showing their white fronts so you can see this the shape of you reflected in this massive number of little penguins that are (laughs) all turning so it's the same concept you know the the the, Pom-poms are two different colours replacing each other to show the silhouette that it's being shown. And this one is these penguins. But you can watch the little penguins move as they track you real time as what you're doing. (laughs) That's cool, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's very cool. I would love to see that Technological art. I would love to see this uh, exhibition come to to New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah. I think I'd spend all day there, though. Mm. All right, Brett, look, let's end it there. I want to thank you very much for co-hosting this podcast with your brand new microphone. Always a pleasure, Ed. (laughs) It's it's sounding crisp and clear. It's great. (laughs) All right, and uh, we'll do it again next time. Until then, have yourselves a fantastic week. See you then. Goodbye, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.